Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I have a big question for you this morning, and I want you to answer honestly. And please don't answer out loud, but take a minute to think about the answer that you would give. You can't copy off your neighbor, it's got to be your own answer. Each one of us must answer this question for ourselves. Who the heck do you think you are? Who the heck do you think you are? Who are you? There are so many different ways to answer that. What defines you? What will your obituary say? What do you want on your tombstone? In the 90s, everyone knew the answer to that. Pepperoni and cheese. <laughs> really, who are you? Right now, I'm working through a 700-something page book on the concept of the self. Philosophy stuff. What does it mean to be an individual? Are you a unique being or are you somehow just part of a larger whole? I'll let you know how the book turns out if I can manage to stay awake to finish it. The ways that we are defined by ourselves and by others is usually called identity. Some of you might even have been victims of what is called identity theft where somebody else pretends to be you and incurs all sorts of debt in your name. The identity is a big deal. It's who you are. So how do you answer my question? What is the first line of your Facebook biography? We define ourselves by all sorts of different things. Spouse, parent, grandparent, employee, boss, coworker, friend, neighbor. We can define ourselves by our vocations. We define ourselves by our interests or our allegiances. I'm a Vikings fan. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I'm a pastor. So on and so forth. It's not always an easy thing to answer. Is there more to you than that? Is there something missing there? When our identity is all wrapped up in what we do, it sure makes things a lot more difficult to lose those things. It makes it a lot more difficult to lose the things that we think define us. When those things go away or those things change. Guys, especially, you probably defined yourselves by your job for a great deal of your life. Maybe you still do. But what happens when you reach retirement? What happens when an injury or an illness or other disability comes and takes that all away? You might define your identity in terms of your kids, but as we all know, someday those kids will grow up. A lot of the things upon which we base our identity are so transitory and fleeting, even if they seem like they're absolutely permanent. Let's take a second and ponder what it would be like if all of those things were stripped away, no family, no job, no favorite sports teams, no hobbies, just the big question of you. Who the heck are you? How do you answer the question then? Are you defined by who you are or what you do? Are you a human being or a human doing? 
Luther was not the first, nor was he the last, to wrestle with questions like this. Who am I? Who is God? What in the heck am I doing here? At first, it seemed as if God was angry with him. There's a perfect standard of law and righteousness set forth for humanity to live up to, and no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't obtain it. He couldn't measure up to God's standards. Becoming a monk, defining himself as a monk, or should I say, as a historian, an Augustinian friar, it didn't help. Getting a bachelor's, master's, and doctorate in theology didn't help him feel any more forgiven and didn't solve his identity crisis. Now, I'll tell you one thing. Working on a doctorate certainly doesn't make me feel any better about myself. It only seems to highlight my inadequacies and possibly even question my own sanity. The more you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know. It works this way with God's law. The more you hear it, the harder you try to overcome your own sinfulness and earn God's favor, the less forgiven and the more inadequate you feel. Luther wrote that the sinful human being was from birth, incurvatus est in se, meaning curved inwardly upon oneself. The more time we spend trying to define our own identity, the less we often seem to know who we really are. The Word of God has a different idea about who you are. Your identity is not about what you do, what you drive, how you spend your time or your money. Your identity is firmly established by God in Christ. You are a beloved child of God. If you really want to know who you are, look to the cross of Jesus. If there was any doubt as to whether or not God gave a rip about you at all, look to the cross of Jesus. Plenty of people spend their lives wondering, that quest, wondering about that question. Does God exist? And if he does, does he even care? Observe the love that God has for you as displayed in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Luther had struggled to understand who God was and who he himself was in relation to this God. He searched the scriptures, and at first it seemed only to see the message about the righteousness of God, which he himself was unable to obtain. And then everything opened up one day. He said he felt as if he'd been born again. The living voice of the gospel jumped right off the page of God's word through St. Paul in Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. For it is written, in it it is written, the righteousness shall live by faith. Or another way of reading, he who by faith is righteous shall live. Romans is a tour de force of God's unending love and almighty power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. By chapter 5, where we're at today, it is even more clear that everything rests on faith. Therefore, ergo, right? <laughs> Therefore, 
Our conclusion is, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Justified by faith, what a huge concept. Before faith, our indisputable identity is that of a sinner. Strip away everything that can be stripped away and all we would be left with is sin. And yet through faith we are given a new identity. God's child. Forgiven sinner. We have been justified by faith. That is declared to be something else through faith in Christ. Declared to be righteous and holy in God's sight. Now, God's declaration does not only declare what is, but in so saying, it becomes true. God's word creates the reality that it proclaims. You are righteous on account of Christ. This is not some sort of legal fiction where God gives a wink and a nudge and a nod and pretends that you're good when you're not. His declaration of righteousness makes it so. This is your true identity, and this can never be taken away from you. You may have retired from your profession, or you might someday. Your children may have or will someday grow up and move out. But your identity as a child of God will never be taken away from you. There was nothing that you did to earn it in the first place. God didn't wait for you to organize and arrange your defecation in the proper location. If you get what I'm saying, get your crap together. Before he determined that he would love you and save you. He wasn't waiting for you to be a good person first so that you'd be worth saving. 500 years ago in 1518, Luther argued at this gathering of the Augustinian order at Heidelberg, the love of God does not seek, but rather creates that which is pleasing to it. God created the universe from nothing and likewise made you to be something out of nothing through the cross of Jesus Christ. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, Paul says, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God is different. God shows his love for us in that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. God took all the initiative. It was his idea to save you before you yourself thought you were worth saving. Since, therefore, we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. The gospel brings a brand new identity to every single person who has faith in Christ Jesus. And that faith is 100% a gift from him to you, delivered through the means of his grace day in and day out in the life of his church. We oftentimes forget this. We go about our lives as if we weren't God's children. 
We forget to trust him to provide for our every need. We forget what his will for our lives is as laid out in his instruction. We can think of this as an identity crisis. Selective amnesia when we forget who we are and whose we are. But even this, this will not change the fact that we are beloved children of God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We who have been reconciled to him by the blood of Jesus and who live by faith in him. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses all of our own human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And all of God's people said, Amen. Would you please rise as we confess that faith in the words of the Nicene Creed? I believe in one God. <laughs> 